Welcome to another edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live on Giants.com and the Giants mobile app. John Schmelk, Jeff Fiegel's with you. The phone number is 973-667-1960. 973-667-1960. We apologize for the late start. First of all, Jeff, how are you? <laughs> Good, John. I'm just trying to figure out where Detino is through the through the line somewhere. Did he sneak away? Uh, yeah, What's see, happening? and that's why we started late, because this was supposed to be a Jeff and Paul show, but for some reason um, we can't reach a connection with um, with Detino here. So we are working on that. If Paul, we are able to get him uh, on the line here and get him in, I will slide away surreptitiously, and he will slide in. Uh, but until then, it's, it's Fiegel's and I, and unfortunately... Um, you know, Jeff and Paul prepared a lot of stuff for the show. I did not. So <laughs> that's okay. That, that day we improvise and adjust. That's what we got to do. We do. Absolutely. So, um, Jeff, anything you want to talk? Uh, one thing well, Tino said he saw online that he thought was funny. Maybe we could start here as I try to comb the internet here, try to find some content for us. Um, the video popped on the internet the other day of you punting <laughs> to David Meggett and him returning it for a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Your yep. memories of that, sir. You know, uh, I know you don't remember much. I don't remember. I, I remember the returns, though, because there, there wasn't a lot of them over my career. But the ones that were, they, you know, they're, they're not fun. Um, a lot of missed tackles and including mine. <laughs> uh, I had to wrap up better. I tried to use my head and my shoulder to get, you know, because David was not a very big guy. And um, him coming down the field, I figured I could just go low on him and just knock him down. But I didn't. Uh, wait, 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 did he, did he run you over or did he get no, around No, 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 he just took – it was an angle. You know, the, the ball was just a little bit – it wasn't outside the numbers. It was, it was a nice kick, but I went back and I saw that play. There was like five tackles missed. And then I was, I was in the last line of defense, if you will, and I was tracking him down, and then I actually just went for his legs, and he just sides, you know, kind of like stepped over and then kept going for a touchdown, so – what was your go-to move for trying to be the last well, line of defense for these, for these punts? So, first of all, I'm athletic, but I'm not athletic enough to tackle in the National Football League. <laughs> and by the way, that applies to around 99.2% of the population. It's, it's unbelievable. So, what I try to do is use the sideline as my friend, right? So, I try to get the guy that he's not – I get him to go to the sideline um, because I have then I have a chance to narrow him down to an area where it's between me and the sideline. If I get, if I let him have a, a two-way where he can go to the sideline or he can go to the open field, I'm done. Because all he has to do is make one head fake. So I try to get him to run down the sideline, and then I can dive at his feet and then hopefully or push him out of bounds. Well, it's smart. You want to use the sideline as an extra defender. Because, That's right. Because That's exactly right. If you get caught in space, you're no toast. It's, it's one... It's one uh, a little head fake, and it's just broken bones from there. And and, just, and, and, and he's not just going to score. You're going to get embarrassed, which is the last thing you want to see happen. Yeah, yeah, and, and I'll tell you what, what really – there's there's big plays in football, and a blocked kick and a punt return do wonders for your team and the momentum, right? And I don't remember what the score was in that game, but, you know, sometimes it, those those plays come back to haunt you in the long run, especially if they're early in the game. You know, you're always trying to make make up for that return. Um, but you know, it's funny because I don't know if it was with you or, or Paul, I think it might've been with Paul. We were talking about years and years ago about returners. Cause we did a big thing on special teams. Yep. And I was telling him that, you know, late in the eighties and the early nineties, kind of mid nineties around in there, there wasn't really a lot of return guys in the league. There was just a handful of them. And David was not one of them. Megan. So, and I wasn't at that point in my career, I wasn't good enough to do whatever I wanted with the football and put it exactly where I wanted to. So Guys like that got got a 
you know, a fair share of some good kicks and they could beat the rest of the guys. Nowadays, they're all good returners. They're all they're In fact, they're probably a better, the returner's probably a better athlete than the 10 guys that are covering. That's for sure. Well, I mean, and, and, and that's by design, right? You want, you know, you have 11 guys trying to tackle one with only 10 blockers. So there's always going to be at least one unblocked guy, which by the way, is usually you, the punter. So you want to have your best athlete back there, right? Isn't that the point? That is the point. Yes. Um, and usually, I mean, those guys are, think about it, John, those guys are all pretty good athletes running down there, but typically the returner is, you know, he's a special, he's a guy, special Deshaun Jackson, um, Devin Hester. I mean, these guys are elite athletes that can just, you know, they got moves and speed and me being the last line of defense, my last line of defense was don't even put yourself in that situation. Kick <laughs> it out kick, of bounds. Just kick it out of bounds. Not right. to worry about anybody tackling. So who was the guy that scared you the most? Oh, it was definitely Hester. It was Def- always Hester. And and Deshaun Jackson. Um, you know, I, I don't really like him at all. Never have. <laughs> I know you don't. Um, You've said that many times on the it's show. It's just, you know, just don't. But he's very good. Very, very good. And, you know, you see, you know how he's his explosiveness, you know, and he's got moves and he's able to go laterally very quickly. And, and then he can turn it on north-south quick. He's got that burst. Um, him, he, Devin Hester was one of them. You know, back in the day, Westbrook was another guy that was really – I hated to kick to. He, he also scored a touchdown on me my first year here with Fossil in 03 um, in Meadowland Stadium. So I've had two, two – maybe I've probably had one other one in, in that stadium before. But, uh, yeah, these guys are dangerous. But Devin Hester was probably the, by far the, the one that I didn't want to kick the ball to. Although early in my career, Deion Sanders was pretty tough too. <laughs> You know, yeah, I got to imagine. And I kicked to him at in college before when he was at Florida State. Oh, uh, makes sense. And um, you know that was prime time, and he used to get everybody get everybody going, everybody going, gets hands in the air. Let's go. Prime Who time. was your, what was your favorite tackle that you did make to save uh, a touchdown? Do you have one that you really remember, or you're really proud of yourself afterwards? That, oh, look at me, I'm an athlete. I tackled no. him in space. <laughs> no. <laughs> not one not one they're, they're they've all been bad I, I i'm the horrible tackler it's not that i'm afraid to tackle i'm just not good technique you know because listen i'm i'm a big guy i mean I'm, I'm bigger than most of the returners so it's not a matter of me being afraid to hit somebody or no it's just me knowing how to hit them so you when know, you were playing, Jeff, what were you, like 6'1", 195, 6'1", yeah, well, No, I was always, you know, probably my 6'1 is my height and anywhere from 215 up to 225. Okay. I didn't realize so, you were that high. Okay. So I, I figured, you know, I wasn't worried about hitting those guys, but they're coming downhill pretty quickly now. You know, they got a full head of steam coming at you. So you just the best thing to do is like the DBs do. You just got to go low and, and take out their knees or their ankles. You know, I, I, I've seen you in the cafeteria. I should have guessed you were 215 to 225 and not 205. Yeah, yeah well, yeah, we've all, we all go we, – we put on a little bit of weight as the years go on after, yeah, after think? the football. Yeah, just a little bit. Yeah, and if <laughs> this, uh, this pandemic has not been kind to me at least because mm-hmm. I have had no time to work out like at all. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it has not been great. Uh, a couple of pieces of news, Jeff, not that fans care about that. Um, the NFL notified teams the virtual period for the offseason work will be extended through June 26th. And officially, we kind of talked about this last week already, but there will be no in-person minicamps this month. Um, it was expected. Now it's official. Mm-hmm. Uh, clubs have the option to extend their offseason program for another two weeks 
or discontinue after this week, which a bunch of teams are doing. Uh, I have mm -hmm. not heard that the Giants have extended theirs. Because at some point, Jeff, you can only get so much out of these virtual meetings. You know what I mean? It's not yeah. like you can get more work done. Yeah. If you do all the installs, you do all the installs. Uh, the NFL and NFL and the NFL and NFLPA continue to work together on remaining protocols to create a safe reopening for training camp. And the other story that was out there, too, is that they're planning for four preseason games, but there are some conversations going on where you might limit that to only two this season. Yeah, and it'll probably be one away and one home just to get a logistics down for, you know, because a lot of new players, not a lot of new faces and new staff. The Giants are going to have to learn how to come out of the tunnel in, in a home game and an away game. You know, everything's different. So, and, and I'm telling you, the players aren't going to, they're not going to, they're not going to um, argue with the fact two preseason games. They'll take it. <laughs> I mean, new. No. Well, and I wonder too, this will be a nice, like, you know, Pre uh, preparation for future seasons because mm -hmm. they've talked about when they're going to lengthen the season yeah. are you going to shorten the preseason then so this might be a nice little test run to see how that works but I believe these two preseason games are going to be really really important because they're going to you know what I'm saying like there's not going to be a lot of time for the regular season to that you're normally going to have at least I don't think so you've already missed all this other stuff so I think it's critical for yeah, and evaluation. The and the starters, are, and well, and you need the starters to get ready too, right? That's, yeah. So, I mean, all those snaps are going to be hugely important. Yeah, and, and, and think about this. It makes it makes each snap hugely important in practice now, oh, right? I mean, because before you might be able to say, oh, we got a month of training camp or we got four preseason games. I'll get my chance. Well, well especially, <laughs> Jeff, for the Giants too, and Joe Judge has said this, like he's never seen these guys in practice before. So he's kind of learning them all in person with, with a fresh start. It's 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 really incredible when I, I feel like this has been the off season of all off seasons. It's just been so long, and if you're a coaching staff, can you imagine how frustrated you must be that you that you are going into, uh, you know, the middle of June, and you have not seen your players? <laughs> I mean, wow! Think about that. That is and, and yeah, that is crazy. That is crazy. And these, you know, they they've seen them through Zoom. Listen, the rookies the rookies are zooming every day. Um, the veterans, not so much. I, I think that they're on a schedule. I, I talked to Tom Quinn the other day, and Tom was telling me that the rookies have special teams meetings every single day, and the veterans are twice a week. So that's on the special team side. Whether they're doing that much or that less, I don't know on the offense and defensive sides. But but you hit the nail on the head, John. I mean, how I mean, how much more can you do um, going over and over and over? So I think that the good thing about this for the players is they have time to study. They have time to, to be at home and, and take this time to really learn the new playbook. Well, and it's, it, but it's, it's up to the players to take advantage of that, too. And, you know, and, you know some guys are better in structure. Some guys are fine yeah. when you're able to be on your own and kind of freelance. So uh, that's going to be on the individual player. Same thing for staying in shape, right? And we're mm -hmm. going to find out who the guys are that are conscientious. And, you know, Dave Gettleman, and, and I think he's done a nice job of this, has talked a lot about getting the right type of people. In that locker room, and I think that includes guys that are self-motivated. So I would expect this group of Giants to come back and you know be in shape, be mentally ready, and be ready to go because I think they got a lot of first-class people that yeah. care and will put the time in and work hard. I think I think this is where the whole philosophy as a head coach comes into effect when his communication with the new staff and players. You know, everybody has to get on board. And we've heard this so many times about, oh, yeah, everybody's on board. Everybody's on board with that. Um, so everybody has to buy into what Joe Judge and his staff is putting out there. And I think, I think that this team wants to win. I think they're eager to get started. 
And I'm sure that that's probably the case with a lot of these guys is they're, they're all in right now. Um, you always have your couple guys that just try to buck the system that think that they can come in and just get in shape. But in today's world, uh, strength coaches and coaches and even players, we figure it out. We figure it out if you haven't been doing anything. Huh. <laughs> All right. Uh, we got a couple other topics, Jeff, we can get to, but we do have a couple calls coming in. Again, yeah. the number is 973-667-1960. I have a call on the line now. Just want to remind you folks out there that if you're trying to get in, if you get a busy signal, we only have one line in our remote setup here. So just keep trying. As soon as that caller drops off the line, we will get the next caller up. You can also send them in the hashtag Giants Chat on Twitter, or you can go to Giants.com slash podcast slash BBK questions and submit your questions that way. All right, Jeff, let's go to the phone lines. Caller, you are on the air with Schmelk and Fiegels. What's your name and where are you calling from? Hey, guys, this is uh, Phil from North Carolina. Hey, Phil, what's going on, pal? Hi, Phil. Good. Hey, uh, hey John, just to let you know, I have your, your this number programmed under Schmelk for, for a while. I'm not going to put on the Giants. I'm just going to put on the Schmelk. That's fine. So. That works. <laughs> that, uh, that's pretty much what it is. <laughs> that, that, yeah, because I remember you test read, you test read it earlier, and, and, and that's uh, how I stuck with it. But anyway, the uh, question I have is, you know, there's two, like, ingredients I see to for us to get into a competitive slash winning season. One is our coach has to be able, in some games, out-coach the other uh, coach, which I really couldn't say I, I saw that much lately. And then the other thing is some of our players have to play above the X, above the X's and O's. And, and we didn't have, uh, you know, nobody played above the X's and O's, you know. Um, and, and so uh, I just wanted to get your thoughts on, on uh, really the latter. So. <clears throat> All right, appreciate it. Jeff, what do you think? Well, listen, those are big plays, right? Those are, those are, time, those are things that you need in games where – um, the game plan is there, but you know it's not working, and you got to have a got a guy have come up with a big play, play above the X's and O's, do something out of the ordinary uh, to help your team win. And I think that comes from leadership. I also think it comes from just your just the inner self. Well, and, and Jeff, guys, get you know? gifted players, right? I mean, that's yeah. why you pick these unbelievable athletes high in the draft that's to right. make plays like that. Ordinary yeah. players don't make plays like that. The special guys do. And, and I think you can go back and look at the history of the players in college and even in high school and just ask and go back and ask his coaches, look at his tape. Was he that guy that was doing, going above and beyond the X's and O's? You know, and I think you really see that in – I mean, it's hard to see like in an offensive lineman position, but you, that might be a guy that you see that extra effort down the field making that one block to spring a guy free, right? But I think like a defensive end – or somebody that's always that's always getting uh, at the quarterback or trying to make that extra play um, in, a, in a crucial situation, that's playing above the X's and O's and making big plays. You see that out of those guys, guys making an interception. The quarterback just, thrill, just drilling one in a tight window for a first down. You know, things like that. you got to have a lot of that. And you got to have a lot of that for a young football team and a team that's not expected to win a lot. You're hoping that you get a lot of guys like that to be able to play above in the X's and O's. And that's important. It really is. It's also important that the coaches, they, they, they make note of that. They let people know that we understand what you just did, you know, and, that, and we like that. That's all I got. <laughs> what else you got, Phil? Hey, 
And no, that's it. Thanks, guys. I appreciate your hard work. Hey, thank Have you. A good Phil. Day. I appreciate yeah, it, you're man. Welcome. And look, I think you know Phil makes a good point, right? You know. Coaches make a difference with game plans and X's and O's and finding matchups. Yeah. That's part of winning games. Part of winning games are the great players just winning. And really, and look, this has always been my opinion on this show, and it drives people nuts when everyone always tries to blame the coach and the quarterback for everything because that's the easy thing to do. Mm-hmm. For me, look, this is a player's league, right? I mean, guys have to be able to make plays. And eventually, and at its core, you could have the best coach on the planet. If you don't have guys that can beat the guy in front of them one-on-one and win, you're going to have trouble winning football games, whether that's a pass rusher on an offensive tackle, a corner on a wide receiver, a tight end on a safety, whatever. Take your pick. Your guys have to be better than the other guys. You know, If they're not, I don't care what the scheme is, it ain't going to work. Coaching can make difference on the margins, but it comes down to talent first and foremost, Jeff. No question. Talent and knowing that you can get that talent out of a certain individual. That's another one. You know, that's coaching. Um, the coaching is trying to get that player or players to play above the X's and O's by motivating them and knowing what buttons to push. That's part of coaching. You know, they have a, every group has a group of guys. You know, their defensive linemen, their offensive line group, whatever it is. It's up to the coach to figure out how you got to push each one of those individual players, and they're all different, to be able to – prepare and, and when you go into a game and you hope that all of them will play above the X's and O's and the coaches got to be able to prepare like that too they got to be able to have something that they know that they can out coach this guy in a certain situation where we know our team is better in the two-minute offense than their defense so we need to we can you know we can get ourselves in that type of situation before the half or at the end of the game and expect points out of it that's important yeah it is no doubt about it 973-667-1960, 973-667-1960. Let's go to our next caller. You're on the line with Fiegels and Schmelt. Caller, what's your name? Where are you calling from? Hey, this is Peter from the Florida Keys. How you guys Peter, doing? Peter, welcome hey, back. Peter. How are you? Hello, buddy. Wow, this is the first time I tried calling, and it went right through. Well, good timing. <laughs> awesome. Good timing. Excellent timing. Hey, Jess, I had a question for you, my man. Sure. Um, so, pressure situations. As a punter, how can you prepare yourself for high-pressure situations in practice? Mm-hmm. What methods have you used in the years? Because, you know, it's not common that we, always, we talk about special teams and all that type of stuff. I wonder how, as a yeah. punter, in a punter's point of view, how you would handle something like that. And that's all I had, my man. Okay. Well, thank, thank you. Pete. I think it's a good call. Um, unfortunately, you know, you can't, you can't practice – with uh, 60,000 people screaming at you, right? So I think what you have to do is the coaches put you in those pressure situations. Um, as a young youngster, they want to see how you react to those. Um, and in practice, they'll back us up, put us on the one-yard line, and give us a, give us a situation. You know, it's uh, two minutes left in the half, and we're backed up, and we need the ball out of bounds. So you create those types of pressure situations in practice, and the more you do them, the more you feel comfortable with them once you get in a game. Now, the game situations are completely different because it's live and it counts. <laughs> you know, um, practice, it, it counts, but it doesn't really count. And here's the thing. The, the more you get into those situations over time, and this is all about experience and there's no substitute for experience, you learn, to, you learn how to handle those pressure situations through your mental preparation. Um, You've got to be able to focus and and really, this is what distinguishes guys that make it in the league for a long time and guys that don't. A lot of guys have great legs, but they cannot 
they can't decipher the, between, you know, when they get on that field and the concentration and focus. And that's and your brain is a muscle. You have to you got to work it. And mental parts of it is important. This goes for any any sports. You know, look at golf. Um, you know, free throw shooting, basketball. Anytime that you're put in this pressure situations, you've got to practice it. But your mental part of it really helps. Yeah, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. 973-667-1960. What do you think, Jeff, about playing potentially either in a stadium with like, you know, 10,000 people in it, 15,000 people in it, or no people in it? As a player, how do you view this whole kind of formula with how the game and players will get impacted without or having few or, or no people in the building? I think it's going to be strange um, whether whether there's none, 10,000 or 50,000, right? I think that the one that we will be most used to is 50,000. Um, and I don't be, and I would be very surprised if that's an amount yeah. they'd be able to get to. So, I guess we got to get ready if you're a player to, you know, is it just going to be the families of the players allowed into the into the stands? I we're just some of the things that if that uh, if that, know, who knows. Yeah, I mean, something, right? But it's going to be weird. It's going to be weird because we're just not used to those types of, you know, when you listen, I I think the crowd has such a great um it's a good recipe for the game. I mean, it comes in, you know, the crowd helps when you're home, the crowd helps you. Um, when, when your team is on defense and that opposing team's on offense, the crowd helps you out. Um, I think the crowd helps with momentum, you know, a big play, the crowd is crazy. They're going nuts. You're, you're getting that, you're getting that enthusiasm on the sideline. Where are we going to find that when there's a big play? It's going to have to come from the bench, right? Which it can. Um, but it's just, I mean, it's just going to be different. I think the only thing that you can probably hang your hat on is that you practice with no fans. Um, There's no one out there. So I think that that's probably where you'll kind of rest your hat on. It's like, well, we're used to this because there's nobody there. You know, I don't know what the fans are going to feel like, you know, John, I mean, watching games on TV with no, no one in the stands. I mean, do they, you know, better than I would, if they can, you know, superimpose something on, I don't know. As a player, would you want fake crowd noise? Is that silly? You know what's funny is I, I think that I think it would be something I would have to listen to, you know, like if it, if it sounded real, unless it sounds like those the crowd noise that we get out of practice, which you've heard before, it's like a, a you, jet engine. Do you like so 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 that sounds bad? You don't like that? No, that's 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 just annoying. Um, I think if you had some white noise, background noise of crowds, you know, like this this, I think it might be okay. Um, but hey, that's what the preseasons are going to be for, right? There's, I don't think any there's going to be any anybody in the stands in preseason, so they'll have to get used to that too. Yeah, no question Strange. about it. All right, we have another caller on the line. Caller, what's your name? Where are you calling from? You're on with Schmelk and Fiegels. Keith Brown. Hey. Keith, where you? What's up, man? How are you? Cranford, Cranford, New Jersey. Hello. What's on your uh, mind today, Keith? Go ahead. Hey, uh, no, it's been a while since I called in, but uh, yeah, you know, you I, I listen to you guys all the time. I really appreciate all the stuff you. And especially uh, some of the uh, uh, last couple of days. I mean, when you had the uh, um, the linebacker on, that was uh, oh, I can't think of his name right now. Castillas. Yeah. But you know, you, you, you did a little good thing on uh, now how uh, the new coach uh, and Belichick sort of work and everything else. It was real getting into those depths that really uh, helps do things for me anyway. One of the things I just wanted to talk about was that I think when it comes down to all the players, it's whether 
it's not only studying the film and recognizing what is happening and so that you, you got to be able to instantaneously see what's going on and be able to react. It, it all has to be automatic. You can't, if you have to think about it, you already, you're already one or two steps behind. Correct. It, it's, it's all about now internalizing it, but also it, it, if you don't have the mind working mm-hmm. and you don't have all the stuff in there to, to make it happen, uh, and do it quickly. That's part of the big thing, and I think that's in, when you don't have the practice out in the field. I think a lot of people it depends on whether you're more cerebral and able to make it happen automatically, or if you're the type of person that needs to have the on-field stuff to deal the. Uh, now, it's different when you you're in that place and 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 see, seeing it on the field. Now, do you recognize it? And it's just getting to the point where you. No, the, I think the, that's where uh, the people that are uh, the long-term guys that are in the league, they're able to internalize it, see it, study it, and know it, and just react, and, and also be able to call the right plays. I mean, the, the really good guys can see what's going on with everybody and what do we have to do to react to this different things. And I'm really looking forward to seeing, especially what they're going to be able to do with the defense, because I know that's going to be a lot of things, a lot of young guys on there, and uh, what's going to happen. And uh, um, I'm looking forward to this season. Uh, I'm hoping it's going to be a lot better than the others uh, lately. And, uh, you know, I appreciate what you guys have been doing. Hey, I appreciate it, Keith. Thank you for the call. Thank you. Jeff, your thoughts? One thing you break up is here's the thing with players, too, and you make some great points as far as, if it all goes that all goes into experience, right? I mean, there's also guys that are very confident, and when you're confident, and you think that you can, you know that you can execute the play that's in front of you. Um, I'll give you an example for like punt, <clears throat> for punting. If when you're directional kicking, you have to be confident that you're going to put the ball where you want it. You you can't will it over there. You can't wish it over there. You've got to be able to be confident that that's your angle. I'm, I'm there, and I'm going to rip it, and the, the ball is going to go there. Um, as soon as you start thinking about how to get the ball there, you're in trouble. And that's when, same thing with covering and throwing and catching and all that stuff, tackling. When you have confidence that you can do that, you're going to be fine. What happens is guys that lack confidence, and we've talked about this on our pregame shows before and talked about players and this and that. He just lacks confidence. He doesn't look like he's comfortable out there because he's, he's not. He doesn't have the confidence yet. He didn't know the playbook well enough. He doesn't have confidence in his coverage skills. Those are when you get a team that has confident players, they start making plays. They start making plays above the X's and O's, and they start becoming a really good football team. Yeah, and one point that Jonathan Casillas made, and that's the interview he was referring to, by the way. Lance and I had Jonathan Casillas up on Big Blue Kickoff Live on Wednesday's show. I can't recommend it enough. He was honest. He was with us, Jeff, for like 40 minutes. He did an unbelievable Very good, job. Yeah. He was great. Gave really long, detailed answers. And the one thing I asked him is that, look, if you have a defense like the Patriots that's going to you know, be amorphous every week and change and really you know, do things that is specific to the team you're playing, mm-hmm. right, how – is that going to work with a bunch of younger guys that maybe aren't as experienced? And he said, look, I means early on you got to keep it simple, stupid, and that was the expression he used. So mm-hmm. you don't give these guys too much. And he said that he thought might have been a problem last year, late in the year, to your reference, you're in week 10, and you know everyone's still like, oh, we got to get on the same page, and you know, blah, 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 that maybe these guys couldn't handle everything that was being given to them. So that's, that was some of the stuff that, that Jonathan talked with us uh, 
to yesterday. He makes a good point. I think that when when we talk about that, we talk about James Betcher and his defense. I mean, a lot of people overcomplicated, right? Guys, it's too too complex. Now, in fairness, I saw plays where it's a simple cover three and guys aren't in their deep zone. So, sure. you know, that's not complicated. That's just you not paying attention. 100%. <laughs> I, I think that, you know, in, in their preparation in the meeting rooms during the week, uh, putting these things together sometimes can be pretty complex. Um, and then being able to practice it. And if you're not on board the first time, it's just like anything else. When you get When you get behind in your preparation, it piles on. And then you just don't have the confidence and you just don't know it, you know, and then if you have to take a test, you fail. Well, that test is Sunday at one o'clock. If you, if you don't know what you're doing during the week, you're going to fail the test on Sunday. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, you hope that these guys can, you know, figure things out quickly and everyone's got to figure things out quickly. This is not just a giant situation. It's an NFL issue. So we hope we don't see, you know, normally that first few weeks of the season, you'll see some sloppy football anyway. Sure. You wonder now if you're going to see some extra sloppy football and a bunch of guys that are hurt. So these are the type of things that we'll have to keep an eye on during training camp, you know? John, you guys, and me included, when we have evaluated the draft, the, the rookies coming out of, of college and, you know, all the evaluations that go into those and all of the information that they get from these guys, you know, the Wonderlick test, a lot of people are like, well, does it really matter? It, it does. Sometimes it does. I mean, it does matter. It's, it's, it's to see how these guys think. It's to understand how they can cognitively get through meetings. How can they pick up an offense? What did you get on the Wonderlick? Do you mind me asking? Do you remember? I never took it. Oh, you never took it? Yeah. They have said, see, because punters don't have to be smart, right? <laughs> well, punters, we never had to go to the we never had to go to go the combine. There was uh, no punters in the combine back then. I got you. Okay. Um, and so I think that when you look at these guys and their, and their acumen for football, and, and, you know, football IQ, it makes a big difference. It really does. Because if you're a coach that's, that's sitting in there and you got a group of guys that just, eh, they're not the, you know, the sharpest knife in the drawers, I, you're going to have a hard time. You're going to have a hard time preparing them and, and retention. You know, these guys move fast. And that's why, John, you know this because you've seen the way that these guys come in in minicamp and they come in in the off-season workouts and then the OTAs and all that stuff. That's a buildup of an installation of the offense and the defense and special teams. Then they take a little time off, and then when you get back to training camp, it's an accelerated review of what you've learned the, the last eight to ten weeks in the off-season. Well, think about that now. That included on-the-field instruction. That is, there hasn't been none of that. So you got to believe that you're hoping that the guys that are in those rooms nowadays are, are pretty smart guys. Well, right. And you, and I'm sorry, Jeff. Go ahead. And if you look at it, that was one of the prerequisites of, of a Joe Judge player, right? Yep. And he wants a guy that loves football, that studies, that's smart, and multiple. There you go. Now, for fans, obviously you guys aren't in the meeting rooms either, am I? And, Jeff, correct me if I'm wrong, but maybe you know, you're not really in the offense or defense meetings either. But my understanding is that during these offseason programs, right, during OTAs and, and, and things like that, Basically, for each minicamp and each level, you go from like classroom work to OTAs to minicamp. That's kind of the progression, right? Mm -hmm. And each time you go from progression to progression, you're basically reinstalling your offensive system. So you're mm -hmm. doing installs, but and then you include training camp three or four times mm -hmm. over the course of the offseason. And that includes with the OTAs and the minicamp on the field installations. So they've already missed out on two on-field installations. And for the guys that need to learn by doing it, and there's a group of guys that, you know, you can only learn by doing it. That's just the way guys are wired. It's not their fault. That's just the way things are. 
you're only really going to have, Jeff, one installation in training camp. And that, to me, is where the big change is going to be because you're only really going to work on this stuff on the field once through rather than the two or three times through or three or four times through, you'll do it in a regular offseason. That's right. And, you know, that's why you've always seen in preseason everything is so basic. You know, they're, they, they don't, you don't get game plans in preseason. Yeah, it's because in that first preseason game, they're not they're not through installing the whole playbook again. No, they just go, they're going to go, we're going to give you the 15 plays or 20 plays that we know and we've been running, and then you're going to move on. You keep moving on. Um, and one, one installation is built on another. Right. So, mm-hmm. you know, we put our we put our our protections in this week for this type of these calls. Then the following week we put in these protections and the following week we do these. And then, we're, you know, now we're going to put in some different runs. We're going to put some counters in there. We're going to put some sweeps Then we're going to start putting some special, you know, pass plays in there. Play action. I'm talking about offensive stuff. So you got to build on the foundation of you build the foundation of your offense that we this is what we run are we an 11 personnel team mostly are we this this and this what is our base offense and then off of that we build and we continue to build and then here's the thing there are certain guys like you said that have that are that have to they learn better on the field and that is a timing issue with the quarterback the running backs and the receivers you know you got to go as your receiver coach like like um tyke tolbert he's telling these guys to get out of your break Around the thir- 11, you know, 11 yards from your route, this is where you would be doing it. That's hard to teach just watching on film other than right. breakups. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got cut-ups. We're showing this is, a, this is this route. Watch him run this route out of this offense. And remember, they don't have a lot of tape to show these guys from last year because the offense is different. So they're probably watching a lot of Dallas tape. You know, Jeff, here, I got a, here's another question. for. Actually, I'll ask this question in a second. But first, I want to go to our next caller. He's been holding. Sure. Let's go to him. Caller, you're on the line. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Thank you, John. Oh, I, okay, Jeff, actually, I'm going to ask the question first. I should, I'm just kidding. Go ahead, Charlie. What's up? <laughs> hey, guys. Hey, uh, no, the Casillas uh, interview was really good, and uh, he made a point that I thought was really poignant in the sense of, like, he was saying that the Giants were getting got rid of a lot of good players, and you can't do that and expect to win. And he said, I'm hoping that now that things have settled down, they will not do that. And yeah, but Charlie, 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 just remember, Charlie, Charlie, just, just remember this, okay? Vernon yeah. was, they got Zeitler back for Vernon. So he wasn't just yeah. let go, right? That was a trade. Yeah. Um, yeah. Snacks Harrison isn't on a team right now. So yeah. my, my point is that they probably let him go at the right time, correct? And they had Janoris Jenkins all year last year except for the final couple of games. Yeah, well, I'm really talking about JPP, and I'm talking about Odell Beckham. Well, JPP didn't play last year. Well, I, I, well he he came back last yeah, year. Yeah, a, a bit, not much though. He was he was hurt. Yeah, he was hurt, and yeah, I know. But I think when we got rid of, see, every, you know, everyone says, you know, 2016, you know, like they didn't get it done. They got it done for one year, and then it fell apart. Yeah, but Charlie, here's That's the thing. Remember true. this too, though. Charlie, you remember this. If, if you if you have JPP on the roster, you don't have the money to yeah. sign a James Bradbury. Well, I mean that. No, 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 Charlie, their salaries are identical. It's a fact. Yeah. It's not me making well, things up. That's a fact. No, and by the way, I rather, and by I the way, JPP, and he was a free agent <laughs> this year, by the way. So yeah, you would have had to re-sign him anyway. You know what right. I mean? His contract would have been up. His contract was up after last year. Yeah, I know. I understand that. But I, I think 
they got rid of the wrong guy in trading JPP. They should have gotten rid of, you know, Vernon at that time. But anyway, I don't want to go back and repeat yeah. that. Mm-hmm. But I did, I did see something on, you know, just to follow up, kind of Jeff kind of cut me off on the, the punning uh, holder situation. Well, I just <laughs> saw a clip of 1981, the Giants, and Hofstetler was the holder, and he ended up doing a fake field goal and threw a touchdown pass to Carl Banks. Now, now that we have the 48 instead of 46 players on the roster, one of them I know has to be an offensive lineman, but why not the other one, the third-string quarterback? Let him become the holder, work with those guys, since he doesn't have to know, you know, he'll still be in the quarterback meetings here and there, but he's not essential to be there. It's really your first and second string, and have that guy, be your holder, so you have that potential of running fake field goals uh, and you know possibly doing some of that you know touchdown stuff. There is going to be a coach this year, and it's going to be a smart one like Pete Carroll or Belichick who's going to change this. The punter is not going to be the holder, and they're going to put a quarterback in there. You watch; it's going to happen this year. The last quarterback that was a holder was Tony Romo, and he screwed that up. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, I know. I, Okay, but here's the thing. You, I understand your point, and it's and it's well taken. But here's the fact: I'm talking about the Giants now, because we care about any other team. Riley Dixon. If you go back and look at him in college, the dude ran fakes constantly, threw touchdowns, ran for touchdowns. Oh, did he really? He's, oh my God, he is he is he is more than capable of running a fake punt. There you go, Charlie. So, um, right. in fact, good. he's pretty good at it. And I don't. And by the way, you know. I would rather take my chances of a guy that's going to attempt 38 field goals in a season and have 40 extra points and not screw one of those up rather than have a quarterback work with the guy for maybe, maybe one fake field goal all season. You know what I mean? If, if this was yeah, something yeah. where the guys were running fakes every other week, then I would think we probably would have to have a quarterback in there. But the element of a surprise, once there's a fake, everybody plays for it. So it'll work once. Yeah. And I hey, think that, Dick, you know, so that's my I was take gonna on say, it. Yeah, no, I, I, I think if Dixon has done that and just loves, you know, multi-players who can do many things, then maybe he'll actually utilize him. Yeah, you know what? He might. And here it is. That, you know, it all philosophies of head coaches. There are some head coaches that just do not believe in. They want the points, and that's it. I'm not doing a fake. I'm not doing. But, you know, Belichick's a guy that likes to run. That used to, he runs fakes. Um, Parcells was a guy that ran fakes all the time. Okay. Carroll is a guy that runs fakes constantly. John Harbaugh is another guy that runs, you know, things like that. But the Rams, McVay do it all the time. Oh my God, they Mm -hmm. do. So the element of surprise is that Johnny Hecker. I mean, he's Mm -hmm. look at him. He throws the ball. He completes passes and does everything. So it's just a matter of who you got there. Thank you, Charlie. Appreciate the call. And you know, the Patriots have been creative with that sort of stuff before. Jeff, I'm sure I asked you this before. How many times in your career did you execute a, successful punt fake? Well, we had... We, okay, so I was like 0 for 6 in my career. Yeah, throwing, correct. That throwing. I um, and the, the the number 0 for 6, two of those were planned. The other ones were aborted where I just threw them away, so they counted as an incomplete pass. All right, so those aren't really fair. So I was 0 for 2, basically. One, I threw to Irving Fryer, if you remember that guy's name, oh, years good, and years really ago. Really good player. Um, and I overthrew him. And then the other one was, was he against open? the Giants. Was, was, was he open, Fryer, when you overthrew him? Was they he like both wide were open. open? Oh, they were both Jeff. open. And the second one I threw to, to uh, Jim Finn against the Cardinals one year, and he was open. 
and I threw it, but he gave me the alligator arms over the middle. He should have caught the football. He should have caught it. Okay, so the, so one bad pass, one good pass. And then on on field goals, okay, um, I ran. I think I have. I think I might have run one field goal fake in my career in a regular season game, and it wasn't even a pass. It was a shovel pass to the wing, the guy that came back, and it just show. It actually would go down as a pass. Um, and they read it and they tackled the guy for a loss. <laughs> the, the other one was I actually threw a touchdown pass in a preseason game um, to Calvin Williams. Don't ask me if I played with him. Um, he was with the Eagles. Yeah, Eagles wide receiver. It was yep. uh, it was him and Fred Barnett, if That's I remember right. right? Yep. Good memory. Mm-hmm. And so he was lined up. It was the old trick where um, we only had 10 guys on the field. And, uh, and we were faking like we had too many guys on the field. And Calvin ran off the field, and he stopped right outside the numbers, and he was wide open. I just stood up and threw it to him. So now, but that rule is now you can't do that. You you got to come back in, like you got to either come back in into the field of play and back out. Was that they under did, Buddy Ryan? That was under Buddy Ryan. Yeah, that sounds right. It does, right? Yeah, because that that that, that sounds like a Buddy Ryan <laughs> maneuver. It was, and we practiced it. So I do have a touchdown pass in my career, even though it didn't count other than preseason, but. Um, so I got that going for me. Yeah, I, I I didn't know about the preseason one. The other ones I knew about. I didn't know about the preseason one. Well, nobody knows about the preseason ones. Not I well, mean, and and for good reason. They don't count. I mean, you really, if you think about the 352 games that I played in a regular season, imagine of 22 games, 22 years of preseason games, you can add another 80 games onto that. Yeah, that's amazing. Which is like it's a lot. five seasons, and it's not like <laughs> how many times did you have a second punter in camp with you, so you didn't have to punt in the preseason? That was that often for you, or no? Um, up until there was always another guy in camp until later in my career, like maybe around the 15 years of my career, they knew that they didn't need anybody else and we could use the jugs machine and we could monitor and, and they could use another defensive lineman rather than a backup punter. So did you ever not have to dress for a preseason game? Um, I only missed one game in preseason and that was the year that I hurt my knee and, and, um, I actually ended up sitting out, just sitting out a game. Okay, so know? that's okay. So that was due to injury, but there wasn't a game where they're like, "All right, we'll just have the second string punter do no, this, and you don't have no, to play." Okay. No, I always, always would play. And and I'll be honest with you, I always wanted to play. Right. Um, I was asked a couple times if I wanted to take the day off, but I didn't because I love football so much. I wanted to play. You know, I wanted to get ready because yeah. Besides, pre-season... I mean, Jeff, you can still get your eighteen in the morning before you go to the facility. No, absolutely, so, so, so the games. Are, I mean, preseason the games are at night, so <laughs> I could get more than eighteen. <laughs> but i always i always liked it because um listen it's punting i mean i'm not out there you know getting hit every every play so i wanted to play it really did Uh, unless you're in the pro bowl in which case you are going to get hit unless in that water yeah i'm not voting for him for the for the uh did he get in he i think he was a nominee this year for the uh the um hall of fame yeah i don't think he was elected but he was a nomination i believe he's not getting my vote for those that don't know about it, I was in the Pro Bowl, and Steve Atwater, we had a roughing the punter penalty in the Pro Bowl. By the way, Steve Atwater, for you younger fans that don't know, an excellent Pro Bowl safety for the Broncos. Oh, my God. But he decided that he wanted to rush in the Pro Bowl when nobody blocks in the Pro Bowl, and there's no rushing in the Pro Bowl for punting. Well, he did, and he, and he hit me. I mean, I'm like, what are you doing? You know, he's like, oh, dude, sorry, man. I'm sorry. I'm like, sorry. <laughs> it's a 15-yard penalty. If you're sorry for that, that's fine. Like, what are you hitting me for? It's a pro ball. <laughs> Did he, he ended up helping you up, right? Yeah, yeah. And I, I mean, 
Get him. We need to get a little psych test on him. I I think I need to get Steve Atwater on the phone. Maybe no, you maybe don't. maybe that's what we could do in the next month. We can get to try to find Steve Atwater. Yeah. And we can have him talk to you about it. And maybe you guys can reconcile. And you can, you know, <laughs> kind of talk out your your, your Pro Bowl incident. Now now here's the thing. So that was an incident where you know, you're not supposed to do that, right? Well, there was a there was a play a few years back. You might remember this when Brian Mormon they ran a fake punt in the Pro Bowl, and Brian Mormon. Oh, did they really? He and he was a he was a he's a fast dude, right? Jeff, Jack, I have never watched a Pro Bowl except for the one I attended, and that okay. was barely. So, anyways, you know, it's just like just like you're not allowed to rush the punter. Yeah, you're not supposed to run fakes either. Well, they did. They ran a fake, and Brian Mormon took off running down the sidelines. And I think it might have been Ed Reed or one of the safeties. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, my goodness. If any of you are listening to this, just just go ahead and YouTube it. I'm gonna do Brian right Norman Pro Bowl fake punt. And you talk about getting laid out. <laughs> I mean, for good cause. I mean, you don't run a fake in the Pro Bowl. <laughs> Man, did he get hit. Uh, 973-667-1960. Let's go to our next caller. You're on the line. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Hi, it's Scott from New Mexico. Hey, Scotty. Uh, a very brief question uh, about special teams. I was looking at uh, the rankings for special teams last year, and, and it's kind of unusual because uh, some of the teams in the top five were teams like Cincinnati and the Jets, and yet Kansas City, New Orleans, and Houston were also in the top five. But if you go through it, uh, of the top 15 teams, six made the playoffs, which means nine didn't. I was wondering, is there a correlation to having a good team and having a good special teams as part of it, or does it really matter? Because teams like uh, Tennessee, I think, finished 29th, and uh, Buffalo was 21st. And I'm trying to get a sense of uh, the Giants, for example, were 17th. So I'm trying to figure out how important is the special teams aspect and where do the Giants have to be in order to be a, a, a competitive team if it seems like some of these teams really don't have good special teams but make the playoffs anyways? I wonder if there's a formula. And they used your metric, John, of a, DVO, a DVOA when they were compiling this. So I was just curious if you had any feelings in regards to how important the special teams aspect is. And I'll take your answers off the air, guys. Thanks. Well, I know Jeff thinks it's more important than offense and defense. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's equally important. Third of the game, right? Uh, wow. Well, I, I think if you went back and looked at some of these teams, you might come up with some sort of a pattern that maybe the teams that aren't as good as on special teams maybe have really good defenses. Um, because I feel like special teams is a defensive mechanism, if you will. You know what I'm saying? Like punt return, you're wanting to get, you know, field position. Um, I you know you put your defense out there more than you do. I, I don't know. What do you think, John? I, I just feel like, is it a coincidence that some of these teams are good and their special teams aren't bad? Or you know, I, look, I look like a team like Baltimore, okay? Um, there's a team that, that you know they have special, really good special teams, and they're a good football team. I am going to risk you coming through the line here and strangling me. Um, but okay. I won't. I, I think the most important, especially in this day and age in the NFL, you know, if your net on punts is you know three, you know, a handful of yards less or, or more, you know, eh, okay, not yeah. that big of a deal. I mean, yeah. I think making field goals is probably the most important part of the whole deal. Mm -hmm. And now kickoffs, Jeff, just aren't that important anymore because mm -hmm. half the time they're downed. Mm -hmm. So special teams are important, but to me they're not on the same level as offense and defense. They're, oh, cer no. they're certainly not insignificant. But, uh, you know, they're important, but 
maybe one game or two each year will be determined by special teams. The other 14, it's by offense and defense. And I think that I think that you might want to add a couple more games into there because I think that you usually, I mean, there's probably two or three games that come down to a field goal during the year. All right, that's fair. That's a good point. That's and then, a good point. And then maybe there might be one or two other games in there where there was a big play somewhere that turned the game there around. There could be a fumble on a punt or a block uh, exact, punt. A yeah, block. They, you know, you're right about that. That's fair. So maybe we get four games, you know, out of it then and this has been my point and you've heard me say it before is why I think that Joe Judge has done what he's done with the guys he's brought in here to play special teams because I feel like he he seems to think that he can get an advantage over those however many games that we just said maybe three or four games in there that we might be able to win because of big plays um the Giants went out and got a Pro Bowl snapper that tells you how important field goals are to Joe Judge right I mean he knows he's got a kicker he went to the Pro Bowl two years ago they just got to get the operations down and consistent. And then they went and got a Pro Bowl snapper. And we haven't talked much about him. Casey, he's good. And that's going to make a big difference for, for uh, Rosas coming in. Yeah, look, you know Rosas has all the talent in the world. He's got 100%, a, he's got a yeah. big leg. You just got to get him consistent. And the best way to get him consistent is to make the operation as smooth as possible and consistent as possible, and right? Make, make it – the holder and the snapper are there to make it everything be very comfortable for the kicker. Make it perfect for those guys. It's got to be perfect for those guys, right? They kick a ball that's stationary. Punters, we got to kick the ball that's out of the air. Nothing's ever perfect for us, but it's got to be perfect for the kickers. So we'll try to get a, a good snap and a good hold for them, and then we expect you to make it. I looked up. I looked up that hit, Jeff. Sean Taylor, by the way. Oh, that's who it was. Oh, my. <laughs> you see what I mean? <laughs> wow. And yeah. i got to give Brian Mormon credit. The guy pops right up, gotta... and then he runs onto the field yeah. and kind of, you know, taps him on the head. Like, yeah. all right, nice like, hit. Nice. He yep. wasn't, he wasn't, he didn't seem to be that upset about it. I'm sure, you know, he went home and started talking to his family. I'm sure he wasn't too thrilled. <laughs> but, yeah. uh, you know, that was one of those deals where it's like, whoo, man. That, whoo. that right there is respect. It's like, okay, I respect you for hitting me the way you did because you know what? You didn't respect me for running a fake punt on you, so it's all good. That's <laughs> But man, I told you that's a big hit. Dude. <laughs> that wow. makes mine that makes my hit by Atwater like that like flag football. I mean, jeez. Yeah, that was not good. That was not good. That was not not good. All right, we got about four minutes to go here, Jeff. I did not prep this, so I'm oh, doing God. it by the seat of my pants. Uh, did you play with Jeff Fiegels? Oh, Jeff went. Go there. Yeah, why not? I'm going to do it on the fly. You went three and one last time. You're 14 and eight overall since quarantine began. So uh, <laughs> let's try to continue here, Jeff. Okay, go ahead, John. What do you got All for right. me? Let's go. Did you play with Edmund Miles? Did you play with Edmund Miles? Ah, uh, Edmund. How do I not know? I would have known a guy named by the name of Edmund. However, I'm guessing that Edmund is short for something. Uh, I can't speak to that. I don't know. And Miles. Miles. Miles with an I. Is it M-I-L-E-S? M-I-L-E-S. No. No. I didn't. Wah, wah, wah. You know, the you, thing about it is I had a feeling I did, but I don't know where and who, so it wouldn't have mattered. He only played with him two games for the 2008 <laughs> Giants. He had one special teams tackle, and no, I did not remember him either. So no, don't, You should. You were there. I know, but I don't. Two <laughs> games. Two games. Yeah, oh, sorry. Wow. No good. Edmund Miles. No, I don't, no. 
What was he? What what position? What position did he play? I don't know. Let me look. <laughs> I knew you weren't going to get that one. I was happy with myself. There's he no played, way. He played linebacker. Oh, wow. Okay. He played linebacker. Okay. Did you play with Mike Woodson? Did you play with Mike Woodson? Isn't he the Isn't he the, the old Knicks coach, Mike <laughs> Woodson? Yes, he is. Yes, he is. And I know I didn't play with <laughs> no, Mike Woodson. No, you did not play with Mike Woodson. <laughs> did you play with any Woodson? <laughs> Look at you, Strunk, going into the basketball world. <laughs> did, did I play with any Woodson? Yes. Um, there's a there's a lot of Woodsons out there. Rod Woodson. Um, you, you didn't play with Rod or Charles or Darren, right? Mm-mm. No, I didn't play with those guys, no. There's probably a Woodson somewhere in there that I did, and I'm not going to know who. So I'm going to say no, I didn't. No. Nah, you know, did you play with Andre Woodson? He was a giant. No. I you you, I, weren't, on, you I, weren't on the team with him? I don't think so. I mean, right, I could let me have been. check that. Were you on Andre uh, Woodson played for the Giants in 2008? So you did play with an Andre Woodson. Come on, I should have went with Andre. Darn. So what? Where is, what position did he play? He was a quarter. Uh, he was he was he was a quarterback. That I remember. You hey, do? Yeah, yeah. Him, I remember. He was a quarterback. He was a draft pick. In 2008. Yeah, that's correct. He was um, from Kentucky. I was on the team in 2008 and don't even remember that they drafted a quarterback named Andre. Oh, I do now. Yes, I do. Okay. So that's, a, I'm counting that one as a loss. <laughs> okay. Wait a, yeah. Way to circumvent that one. Okay. No, that's I, fine. I'm giving you the win for Mike Woodson. I'm giving okay. you the loss for Andre Woodson. Is okay, that fair? Good. Yeah, that's fine. Okay. All right, I'll take that. All right. I got two more here for you. Did you play with Chris Claiborne? Did you play with Chris Claiborne? Yes, I did play with Chris Claiborne. I think that was his name. I know he's there, he was a safety from from New England. Uh, no, Chris Claiborne was a linebacker that played with you on the Giants in 2006. <laughs> Wasn't there a Claiborne to play for New England, too? Uh, there was a Claiborne. Well, he also played. There was a Claiborne that played for Seattle also. I think that was a different Claiborne. Mm. That's not this Claiborne. Let me see. Was there a Claiborne that played for New England? Let me search for Claiborne here and see if someone comes up. Um, I do not see a Claiborne no. here that pops up for New England Okay. on a quick search. I could be wrong, though. I haven't looked very, very hard. All right, do you want to do one more? I feel like you're real struggling here, so I want to take advantage of it. Of course you do. Did, yeah, one more. Did I'm going to throw it. I, okay. Did Go you ahead. play with Patrick Pass? <laughs> did you play with Patrick Pass? <laughs> <laughs> it sounds to me like you made that name up. Did you play with Patrick Pass? No, I didn't play with a Patrick Pass. <sighs> he played one game for your 2007 Super Bowl champion, New York football giants. No, he didn't. Yes, he was targeted for one pass that year. He was a fullback. I, I remember Patrick Pass. Patrick Pass caught one pass. <laughs> no, he was targeted. He didn't catch it. Wow. That's probably why, why he didn't he make it. He played one game. And he was actually, actually won Super Bowls with the Patriots. He was with the Patriots from 2000 to 2006. Gosh, that's horrible. That's no, you were horrible. You went one in four today. Yeah, see, or one in five. You ganged me. up on me though today. You really ganged did. up on you. What do you mean? You, ganged you up went on and you? found me guys that played one or two games with me. Jeff, my I didn't prep for this. I literally, as you were answering the first one, I was finding the next guy. Well, you so should this do was, that more often. I know. I really should, right? <laughs> so you went one in four today. So now you're fifteen and twelve. Okay. All right. Well, now we're back as respectability as you would say. Okay. Well, for me, for you, for me. Wow. I, well, well, my goal listen. is my goal is by by training camp. I want to get you under five hundred. <laughs> <laughs> we got a long ways to go. Yeah, we, we don't know when training camp is. He was Patrick Pass, three-time Super Bowl champion, by the way. And by the way, real quick, I know our show's going to end, but 
did they come out with? You said that dates for training camps have have, have they come up with those yet? Or now, the Tino anything? said they did. Um, I was looking for that in the thirty seconds I had to prep before the yeah. show, so I yeah. did not have a chance to find okay. them. So right. maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe sometime in July. I'm, look, nice. I'm sure it's going to be sometime in July. The Giants originally were supposed to be uh, the. You know, they guys kind of showing up at different times and like in the July 23rd area. So Mm -hmm. some guys will probably be a little bit earlier than that. But uh, no, Tito told me he saw something. I did not have a chance to look for it before I had to scramble and host the show with you when we started. So um, I don't know. I'm I'm okay with answering questions that I don't know because I don't know. No, we don't know. But we hopefully we will know soon. Well, hopefully we can get Tino's connection ironed out so we can have him on the show tomorrow um, with Lance and I. We'll try to figure that out. Uh, Jeff, today was fun, though. It was a pleasant surprise. Are you going to go over-under with those guys on the uh, receivers and tight ends tomorrow? Yes, we're going to have an interview, but we do plan on doing the over-unders on the receivers and tight ends. Sounds good, John. Thank you. I appreciate it, my friend. Thanks, For Jeff Fiegels, I'm John Schmelk. Thanks for being with us on Thursday edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. We'll see you tomorrow with Lance and Paul. Until then, adios. Stay safe.